Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka! My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan, Rampage the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was grassland, so for evil I was... Crashes into the screen like the Monopoly man. Notes are up. I had no idea about this Facebook whistleblower thing. Uh, I found out that Facebook was down at the end of the day when I couldn't use it. So it didn't matter. <laughs> I was interested. It was good, though. Well, you didn't know about the whistleblower because who's watching 60 Minutes? Yeah, that's a fair point. It's not the 90s anymore. Your dog just turned around and flashed some hole for a minute. There. Easy. No hole. <laughs> I don't know if I can put that on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know I'll the rules about own. dogs and holes and stuff. Oh. <laughs> uh, I keep hearing people say that. So some background. I followed a lot of professional Call of Duty and one of the guys that used to I want to, to stop play... you right here and tell you how, how my mind is racing about what story <laughs> this brought up for you. Uh, it's YouTube, <laughs> basically. So the guy used to be a professional Call of Duty player turned caster. Well, he was. I don't know if he's a team owner for a minute, turned caster, and now I think he's the entire head. Like, he is the guy of YouTube gaming. His name is... Uh, oh, yeah, Ryan, we've talked about that. Ryan Wyatt, a.k.a. Wiz, I think is what he went by. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I'm a fanboy of Arctic Gaming. He's really good friends with Hector Rodriguez, who owns Optic Gaming. And uh, it sounds like they're really trying to make it Twitch and then some, finally, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I have no use for it any longer. I used to think YouTube was a thing, and then they made it impossible to do. Yeah, it's so hard, dude. It's so it's it went from attainable channel. to mm. like I think a thousand subs and like four hundred concurrent minute, what you, what concurrent minutes of watch time on your channel. So people viewing your channel, if that's the right way to say it, a month. And I was like, yeah, well, that's never gonna happen. I'll see you later. <laughs> like, I yeah. can't build any. At least with Twitch, you get a, you can keep your VOD up there. You can start small, hit affiliate, get subs, and then you really got to work your butt off for partnering and so on. But goodness, the one thing you can do right now that will almost guarantee you a lot of views is put shorts up. The one minute like clips of stuff, mm. which is their like version TikTok of TikTok, I guess. Yeah, yeah. right. So. um but I'm in my thirties. So I don't TikTok. Mm-hmm. I don't talk any tick. Uh, but if you, if like I, I'll put pull clips out of the, the shows and put them in and it'll, it'll do a thousand, 1500 views. No problem. Um, the, the only issue with that is it's hard to convert that into like, it's hard to convince a person who was interested in one minute of what you're doing in an hour and 10, you know, which is yeah, like what, fair. We put out a show that was about an hour and 10 recently. Uh, that's unusually long, but they we're talking average view times of like three minutes. And those people seem interested, but like, you know, it's you, you can't turn a TikToker into a movie watcher, you know? So everything's right now. So I looked, you brought it up. Apparently, when we were doing OHC Play, when that was a thing on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, 187 is the magic number that we still have on oh, there. That's right. I didn't think of that. The uh, the gameplay channel we were working on with friends. Yeah. Uh, and wow. you see, I think I didn't think of it like that because I didn't have to do the entire thing myself. That was a right. magical project. And I still look fondly at that. I wish we still did that stuff. It was good, though. You still have the one, two, three top viewed videos. I know you for a fact you created those because one of them was the Overwatch logo and Forza. Three. Oh god, yeah, that blew. That's up. sitting around three point seven k views. Uh, the COD WW two score streak training, which eight hundred and something views, and then the Elite Dangerous thing that you played. Oh yeah, I played the. Um, for people who don't know, I played the introductory mission in uh, a VR headset back when that was a little less common. I had the Windows Mixed Reality headset because I was contracting with a local VR studio to work on a project for Lenovo, which. Uh, that was all extremely cool. But, you know, one night after I had kind of grinded for hours and hours and hours that day, I went like, let's do something fun. So I tried 
one race in dirt rally and almost threw up on the, uh, the <laughs> loner headset that I had. I was so close to it. You don't even know. I'm not a naturally like motion stable guy. If you get me like just a little off and it was experimental, they were kind of like, this isn't executable for dirt rally VR. Basically <laughs> no one should use it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, give me that dirt rally, put the headset on, did one race and it was a short race and I made it through like three laps and I'm looking around the car. I'm like, this is amazing. And I start feeling like, uh, <laughs> and, and I start to kind of take it off. Like, uh. by the time I got up and tore that thing off and put it down on the desk, I staggered across the room. I was like, oh, I'm going to throw up all over this carpet. <laughs> and just like all at once, it kind of subsided. I, I rode the line that night. I can tell you, I was very close to throwing the hell up big time. I had, I've had one, probably one VR experience that I can remember. It was like two Christmases ago. My then brother-in-law, who is no longer my brother-in-law, uh, brought it over to Christmas. I think it was Oculus is probably what he had. And he did, it was like, you could ride in Santa's sleigh, slow <laughs> roller coaster thing. Okay. So we put it on and I'm sitting down and like, you're looking around and you're going up and down. And it's like, oh, this is pretty neat. But there was one point, like for three seconds at the end, where like I thought I was going over, like just even though I was sitting here all the way, like back against the chair to where I couldn't move, type of thing. And then like I was just kind of moving my head. And then there was a part where I was like thought my feet were above my head and I was going over. It was no bueno. And then I played Beat Saber, and that was all right too. But that was my you, only experience. You can't start VR with like a roller coaster. That's who would do that to you? That's insane. He, <laughs> he should not have done. I can see why somebody got rid of him. My buddy David runs, um, he, at the time he, he helped run Upload VR and now he moved on to, uh, Oculus where he does like community stuff and like there, there are a few more legit VR dudes. He's been in it from the beginning. And he, he told me like, you, you can condition yourself for like long-term motion, like high motion VR. Like you can power through it the same way. Like if I, if I, took somebody's grandma and put her on the xbox one for a minute like she might get sick too <laughs> but if i forced her to do it all i don't this scenario is getting weird but if i like made her join <laughs> us for rocket league for two hours a day <laughs> but by uh, the end uh, by the time we got to 500 subs on twitch she would be fine yeah. if she survived that you know it's true i sort of lost where i was going with that because it got so weird but you can <laughs> you can get yourself into motion vr and uh I say that I have not, it still bothers me a lot, but I, I hear that like anything where they're trying to simulate close, like real motion, but mm -hmm. it's like just a little off. That's like the worst thing for your brain. Your brain just can't deal with it. That's what somebody has told me. They're like, yeah, that's the best way to like really freak yourself out. Hmm. I don't know. Cause I mean, like I, I can't real life. I can't ride passenger in a car for very long. I just, Same. Same. Makes me sound super tough and everything, but like I will, I will get out like oh I can't I yeah. can't yeah I'm the exact same way especially if I'm anywhere but like shotgun or driving yeah same way that's so <laughs> I don't know why or what but like roller coasters and stuff in real life I can't do that either it's not excuse me it's not that I'm scared you gotta throw up like, now talking about it no just you know the beer it's good um <laughs> uh, no I'm not like scared of it or anything like that it's just like. You can do the hills and everything. And then like literally when the ride's done, I feel like garbage the entire rest of the day. And some of it's like headache and some of it's just like nausea. You can't shake. It's weird. Maybe it's like what concussed people feel. I don't know. But while you're looking, I want to say congratulations on 100,000 gamer score. Oh, thank you. That's, oh, it that's feels no so small good. achievement, pun intended. Took like, what, 13 years, something like that? <laughs> you know, I used to keep track of the number. Well, they kind of don't show you that anymore the number that's on top of your little profile guy of how many years you've been let me look at that right now. You, can can, you can find that, that number still i had to change so i keep obviously people keep different passwords for different things and because of the recent twitch data breach i was advised by someone much quicker than myself that uh this morning i should change my password so i did log on two factors already in but I was trying to remember. I was like, what is this one? So it took me a time or two, but it I was, got it. It was the first thing I saw this morning when I woke up. I, I just, I just kind of rolled over and checking notifications and stuff. And uh, I've got a notification for all my accounts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I was probably logged into three of them and I pulled it up and each one had this notification. Uh, 
Twitch platform has like a hundred percent of its source code leaked. And I'm like, yeah. and uh, sure enough, massive, massive hack. And it was like politically motivated. Somebody didn't uh. like how things were being done at Twitch. They didn't like the, uh, the policy changes and, uh, they just, they, they had just these, some of those out. Yeah. They had moral beefs. And so they, I mean, they absolutely wrecked the security at Twitch and they yeah. got everything they've released earnings numbers for the top streamers. They've released, yep. uh, stuff about unreleased, um, tools and platforms they were going to spin off and stuff. Everything Twitch has done for the last however many years is now in the public domain. Uh, people on Twitter were joking, uh, congrats to Twitch for open sourcing their entire platform. Cause I mean, there's yeah. nothing left in, in question anymore. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Um, I think we've talked about pretty much everything. Uh, fuck Facebook. In fact, that's what the, <laughs> that's what that's what the what notes say. The notes I didn't say know if we were Facebook. going there or not, but that's what it said. It was, it was out. Everybody knows there was a whistleblower. Everybody knows. Uh, good. I, I can't tell you how much fun I had on Twitter that day. After all the yeah, hell they oh put God. me through and all the bullshit from random yeah. strangers on the internet. Fuck you for even using Facebook. And it's magical how, how that tone changed when nobody could get into Facebook. One guy can't get into Facebook. You must be a racist asshole. Nobody can get into Facebook. Now it's how can they do this to us? And I swear to you, if I put my mind to it, I could find 50 <laughs> people who gave me shit for having an account at all. Who then during the, the global Facebook outage suddenly what's going, what is the meaning of this? You know? So I think I found out I logged you. on to Instagram or Facebook, one of the two that day. And, uh, it was a meme of Zuckerberg doing the creepy water drink that he does in front of the whoever that was he had to testify in front yeah. of. And uh, he said, hey there, did I scare you today or something like that? And I was just <laughs> like, wait a minute, what happened? And I saw that. But, uh, you know, like, I didn't even know it was down. I bet the only people that really cared were people that had to still bitch about Trump or come up with a reason why Biden's a hero either way. So <laughs> they lost. For my money, it doesn't get any better than the like one of the first real videos of Zuckerberg that really made the rounds. And it's him in the backyard with his buddies talking about sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce. <laughs> have you seen this? No, I have not. Oh, my God. The rest of your night is shot, my friend. Yes. I'm going to send this to you and it's going to ruin your life. Fantastic. <laughs> I won't even try to describe it other than to say he's as robotic as he's known to be. And it he's trying to really sell scary. like that he's smoking some meats on the grill <laughs> and he's he's excited about sweet baby rays. And he talks for like 40 minutes and he just keeps circling back to like sweet baby rays. You guys like the and he's live streaming on Facebook. So he's like, what about you guys? You like some sweet baby rays? You like smoking some meats? And he just keeps hitting these things over and over. And somebody made like a compilation of all these things back to back to back. It's magical. I feel like H3H, they probably had to do something on this that I missed at some point. <laughs> it's, it's great. I'm going to send that your way. This episode is brought to you in part by Mudstack. Mudstack is the only asset management and collaboration platform custom built for game studios and digital artists. If you're an artist or your team works with artists, you might need more than the old school source control that only handles code and config files. You need a solution built for you. Mudstack is a digital asset management, version control, and review platform custom built for artists and game studios. Handle all your game assets from concept to completion, group and tag your assets, do easy visual comparisons, approve work, switch between iterations, and more. Soon you'll be able to customize pipelines and take advantage of simple plugin integration with Unity and Unreal. These guys understand game development and they want to help you stay focused on what matters. Level up your game art and your art game with Mudstack. Get started for free in just a few minutes at Mudstack.com. Welcome Mudstack. Big thanks for sponsoring the show. And with that, let's get into, uh, let's just go ahead and set up the interview, shall we? Shall we? This week's interview, it is uh, audio only, but I've got a cool little graphic so you can just sit and watch that and listen. <laughs> or whatever you want. I don't care. I don't Pull care how you consume Roku. this. Hit the channel. Yeah, dude. The Roku app still works as far as I know. I made that thing in one day and it has paid for itself ever since. That What a, what a day that was. Um, anyway, 
We talked to uh, Richard Butler this week, who I actually met through like a podcast sort of social network kind of thing. Uh, second show I've set up that way. So I, it's actually kind of great. Check out Podmatch if you're in the in the podcast game at all. It's kind of a nice website. But Richard runs the Rageworks Network. It is a whole sort of geek culture empire. He's got a network of cool podcasts. He's an MMA guy like me. Um, we had a lot in common. We had a lot we could have talked about, but we spent 45 minutes just hanging out and talking. He has an incredible story, like truly one of a kind story about meeting Gary V. And if you don't know Gary Vaynerchuk, I feel like everybody does at this point. If you're on the internet, you're online, you, you either know about him from his talk about marketing, his like motivational speeches and stuff, even though he doesn't like to be called a motivational speaker. Uh, he's known for these viral clips about like, get out there and kick ass. You can do it like Tony Robbins, but cool. Um, this guy tracked Gary V down at an event and got involved in the guy's Q and a, he tells the whole story very well, but that is the start of the story. And the rest of the story cannot be missed, especially now that we're kind of moving past Gary V the NFT thing has pissed off a lot of people with good reason, by the way. I am not into that either. Uh, he, we're kind of moving on from him and, and accepting that the whole thing is maybe a little sleazy after all. So we're kind of letting go of heroes this week. And we'll we'll each share a story about letting go of somebody that we really looked up to. This turned out to be kind of powerful in a way that I did not expect at all. So mm. check out our chat with uh, Richard Butler. And uh, it's it's a good one. So, uh, Richard, thanks for uh, joining me this morning. How you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, why don't we start easy? Uh, tell listeners, kind of uh, give them the high-level overview of who you are and what you do. All right. I have been a podcaster for the last 15 years. Uh, started with my original podcast, which was My Take Radio, and that was covering video games, entertainment, mixed martial arts, and professional wrestling. Did that. Uh, pretty heavy from 2006 through like 2008, but got burned out uh, because podcasting at the time, if most of you remember those two, those early 2000s when it started, was very, very um, niche. And hmm. you never knew who was listening, what kind of listener engagement you were getting. It was always very difficult to gauge. So I got burned out because I was doing the the podcast, just turning on the mic and recording episodes would be two hours, three hours. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? And um, took a break. And in around 2009, I found a service. It was a company called Blog Talk Radio that allowed you to do your podcast live. And the beauty of doing it live was I can take listener calls, have a chat room, and it even gave you the tools to have somebody screen the calls. Hmm. So it added a level of, you know, just old school radio to it, which I liked. And I decided to relaunch the show as a live show airing from it was 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. So still doing still doing marathons, but still covering those core four topics. And over the course of that time, we got to just have just a slew of amazing guests, whether it was mixed martial artists, gamers, um, professional wrestlers. It was it was a fun time. And then, you know, you start growing up, getting older. Um, I ended up getting married and it was becoming harder to edit because I would finish the show at two, start editing, go to bed to wake up to go to work at nine. So oh. I, I shouldn't have to tell you being a, being a, a content creator, how that works. So <laughs> I, I, I forgot at which point I decided to split the show and do MMA and wrestling Wednesday nights, gaming and entertainment Thursdays. And I threw in just for an extra challenge, a video component as well. <laughs> so we were doing, we were doing all of that and I reached 400 episodes, woke up one day and said, you know what? It's not fun anymore. Yeah. And when, when I had that moment of clarity, I said, you know what? 400 is a good number to hang it up. So I, um, I, I messaged a couple of the writers for our site that had, got the podcasting bug themselves and launched their own shows. And I'm like, listen, I'm retiring my show. Uh, one of our, one of our guys was doing a sports podcast at the time with a wrestling segment. And I said, listen, your wrestling segment is really good. Uh, would love for you to take over and just run a wrestling podcast. 
you know, just, mm. just carry the torch your own way. And uh, the the guy was super excited and he ended up launching his own wrestling podcast. I retired. And next thing you know, most of the writers that worked on the site, they, they launched their own podcasts. And I, and I said, you know, why don't I just create a network of shows with all the writers that have got the podcasting bug hmm. that way they can, I take all the guesswork out of it, make it turnkey where basically all they have to do is record their content and send it over. I make sure it's on iTunes. I make sure they sound good, um, educate them and train them and teach them along the way. And like with anything, you get the podcasting bug from, from working on it for so long. So I ended up launching a new podcast, but less, less involved. I mean, um, it's a toys and tech of the trade and it's an interview series. So I'll sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just people who I think are pretty awesome and just break down like the gadgets and the gear and the tech that they use to run their businesses, create their content. And, um, you know, we throw in a toys component in there, especially if they are into the same stuff like we're into mm-hmm. and it helps break up some of that entrepreneurship and business talk. Plus it humanizes the conversation because, you know, an hour of asking somebody, Oh, what camera do you use? What frame rate do you use? Some people just want a, a little bit more of a more human conversation. So I've been doing that since along with just running the shows on the network. That's a short version. <laughs> yeah. it, it only gets so short after so many years. I, I get that. Uh, Absolutely. I'm jealous because uh, we, we have some similarities in how we started. I definitely started on like a geek culture site with my friends and uh, we were doing the website first, wanted to get into podcasting. Somebody said like, have you ever thought about this? This seems like it's going to be a big thing. And, and I thought, I don't really see myself doing that. And, uh, we, (laughs) but we tried it because we thought it was probably the smart thing to do. I really enjoyed it. Some of them came and went, but the idea that you got a live show going that long ago and were able to take guests and callers and stuff like, I would have loved to do that. That was like the old sort of talk radio dream. A lot of us grew up with like, wouldn't this be a fun job, you know? Right. And that, and that's kind of where I am now on a personal level. Now that, you know, my, you know, my, my day job, I've been, you know, laid, well, laid off would be a, a a nice way of putting it, but, but out of work for, for the last year because of COVID Mm -hmm. the, um, you know, now that I'm older and have a family, I'm like, you know, I really would love to work in the podcasting space full as as either a full-time job or as just something that's more, you know, because like anything else, if it's, if you enjoy doing it, it's not work. So I reached that point where now I'm just trying to do something in the podcasting space. So, you know, I've been teaching uh, here and there people how to podcast, running uh, some courses and doing a few different things. And then, you know, the, what we do for our guests, I mean, for our hosts right now with the turnkey solution, we're looking to hopefully open a a podcasting studio here in in New York for people to just come in and do exactly that, which is come in. We take all the guesswork out of it. They just come in and press record. Hmm. That's it. And then they can either take an SD card with them or we can, you know, add all the bells and whistles, make them sound nice, educate them on mic technique, et cetera. Yeah. We had a version of this here in greater St. Louis. Uh, some listeners know I was involved with a studio that tried to do this. They had the resources already. They were doing different things and they launched a podcast network of their own. Uh, I had a friend on the inside who went like, I know you and your friends do this stuff. If you guys want to try it. And like we had a contract going into it, which I thought was exciting too. Like, hey, this local studio wants to give me a contract to podcast. They want to take care of the hard part. It's going to be amazing. Right. But it's easy to mess that up too. Like they did. <laughs> it's so Absolutely. early for stuff like that, or at least it was then several years ago. I took a deal I shouldn't have taken and it not in terms of actual uh, benefits to doing it, but in terms of efforts, I should have had them list. Like, here's what we are going to do on our side, because I and the panel that we put together came in, we were doing the job and we were locked in for a year. Hey, bud, uh, hold on. We're still, (laughs) that's my son. Uh, (laughs) the joys of working at home. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so we were locked in for a year on this thing and a couple of episodes in, they figured out that the way they were going to promote this for free, they thought they had this big Facebook group. They were just going to post the shows in until the group kicked them out. They're like, well, that didn't work. See you next week. And they didn't advertise. They didn't help us do anything. And we got severely burned. So I'm still, I'm still not 
uh, burned on the idea of a studio like that and networks like that because it can be done. I know I think about it all the time. Like this could be done really, really well. I would like to see a company do it right. You know. Well, to to give you ju- just a a peek behind the curtain and for the listeners, the way we we do it here is all of the hosts, all of their shows, they do their they do their shows however they wish. We don't put mm-hmm. any sort of shackles, framework, structure, do whatever you want. But I say this, and I always like to lead with this, like, listen, if you can talk about it in front of your friends, you can talk about it in front of your audience. But mm-hmm. remember, even when you talk in front of your friends, sometimes you're bound to say something stupid. So act accordingly, <laughs> you yeah. know, because the, the, that's always the thing. I think a lot of the allure of podcasting for many people is the quote unquote uncensored unfiltered approach and that's that's fantastic i'm i i'm i'm fine with you know being your truest self you know if your language has to be a little blue so be it mm-hmm. to to convey a message but just know what comes with being in that lane meaning like if you want to talk to tackle controversial things if you want to tackle things that you know are definitely going to get a rise out of people know that you're going to close the door on certain opportunities yeah. for that because some people just aren't receptive for that kind of programming. So the beauty of the network is all of the hosts get their own individual show feeds. And then there's one network feed where all the shows are. Mm-hmm. We give our hosts usually a five episode pilot phase that we put the shows on the network feed. And that'll allow people that have the network feed to just say, Hey, let me check out this show. It kind of runs like a, like a normal TV channel. Oh, one podcast is over. Here's the next one. And people either listen or they don't. So we try to give um, people that are coming in some crossover listenership. And then after the fifth episode, I'll, I'll make sure usually between the fifth and the 10th, depending on how well I know the person I'll say, listen, because most podcasts quit after 10, I go, all right, you've hitched your, your hit, your, your 10th episode. We're going to your 11th. Are we are are you interested in keeping going? Are you cool with this? You know, what do you want to change? And and they'll ask, like, all right, what can I do different? Yada yada yada. Cause I'll give them full transparency on the metrics. I'll tell them, listen, your episodes are getting, you know, 20 downloads a, a, an episode, 50 downloads an episode. And it pains me to say it, but a lot of people they hear those numbers, they get disheartened. And yeah. I like to tell them, how many times do you talk to 20 people that are hanging on your every word every day? It's true. You, some people don't even get that kind of respect from their family. You know what I mean? Like their family yeah. doesn't even want to hear them for, 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 for that, for that long, you know, and that many people. So that kind of helps give them a metric to strive for. And then all their advertising, they can handle all of their advertising. Any advertisers they get are 100% theirs. If we get a, an advertiser for them, then we work out some sort of a split you know, usually 80, 20 or 70, 30, depending on, on, on the show, the, the audience, the metrics, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But again, only if we bring the advertiser in, meaning if I go and I call him and I go, listen, uh, you know, Haynes wants to advertise on, <laughs> on your podcast. You know, this is the rate, this is the split. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. Other than that, everything else will give them basic editing and we'll release the shows accordingly. And other than that, they're responsible for promoting it and everything else. We'll promote the release of the show on our network feeds, you know, on all our network assets, our Twitter accounts, Facebook pages, Facebook groups, et cetera. But your job, I took all the labor out of you creating your show. Your job is to sell and grow your show. Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause at that point it becomes my, it becomes my show. If I got to do that too, you know what I mean? Like, true. like you're just a head on a microphone at that point. So you know, I take, I, it's essentially podcasting with training wheels. It's, it's nice. It's nice to give people the opportunity to try it when they're not for sure going to fall on their face because it is, it's scary. When I started, it was like, I was trying to get out of my shell a little bit. I was a very quiet guy. Didn't see myself doing that. I liked writing, but I thought Mm -hmm. I would love to be a better communicator. Why not? So I think a lot of people try it like that going like, maybe this is something I could get good at. And I know the bug bites a lot of people. Like you said, a lot of shows don't co- go past what episode seven. They don't reach episode seven. Like it's, and some podcasts have like one episode out. So yep. and, and that's the thing. There, there's a big, there's a big thing. Oh, you know, there's 40 million podcasts out in the space. And I said, yes, that's great. How many of them are still active? Yeah. <laughs> that's the question. It's like, oh, that's an awesome number. 
how many of them are still active and releasing content consistently because there's a lot of there's a lot of graveyards full of dead shows that yeah. you know did an episode started a few episodes and then quit and and i try to make it easy enough that people don't quit so i mean we've had guys that have retired their shows but they ended up taking their podcast and using that as a springboard to start new ventures and that's fine All right, Support for Game Dev Breakdown is brought to you by Manscaped, who offers absolute best-in-class male grooming products, or as they like to say, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation grooming trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, and they sent us their luxury grooming kit, the Performance Package 4.0, featuring the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and a bunch of other really cool stuff. Um, <laughs> separate from that now, I have picked up their, um, their foot duster foot deodorant because I'm trying to stay in the gym, trying to stay active. We're going for walks. We're playing disc golf courses. We're taking long hikes and stuff. Thousand calories at a time on the disc golf course. You know how it goes. You're out there for an hour climbing hills, walking out in the, in the dirt and the mud and stuff. Foot deodorant stuff smells awesome. And uh, just a little spritz on the feet after your your uh, acti- activities and workouts and stuff. It's awesome. I love this stuff. How's the uh, how's everything treating you over there? It's been great, to say the least. It's been uh, much needed help. You or someone you care about can join over two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with code GameDev. That's GameDev at Manscaped.com. That's right. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GAMEDEV. Unlock your confidence with the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. I feel like we have a lot of very funny similarities but uh i also like that you're a habitual editor you know you even when you're doing live shows you had to edit the final product because that's something i'm kind of obsessed with i mean don't, mm. isn't it kind of nice to put out a product that you feel like has the the most polish you can get on it you know i i i, I can agree with that i also try to sometimes you get uh, i like to use the phrase paralysis analysis you over edit or sure. you get so hung up on finding every um every pause Every and sometimes you want to deliver some sort of an of a more natural experience. So in some mm-hmm. cases, people I'll get, you know, from I'm from New York. So it's one of those things where exactly that word I just used, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a New York thing. So I remember I was editing one night and I said, oh, let me see how many times I say it. And <laughs> I was like, damn, that's a lot of times. And you start like looking at that or finding every um so much so to the point that you know what um the waveform looks like on your edit. I've told people that, yeah. I said to myself, this is ridiculous because at the end of the day, the selling point for a podcaster on top of their content is you, the human. Mm-hmm. So if you take out that human element, people can't connect with you. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's certain botches you got to cut them out because they're just it's just like, ah, you know, yeah. but sometimes there's certain botches you got to leave in there to just keep it organic, to keep it to keep it flowing correctly. And I think that that's a big problem, too, when people they want to learn editing or they want to try and edit their best shows that they get stuck on that. And I tell them, like, listen, edit to the point, listen through it once, edit it once. If you feel that once is enough, fine. If you don't then uh, you know i'll listen through and if i see anything that seems a little funky i will let you know it seems funky and i'll ask what you want to do and -hmm. they'll say either leave it or oh i didn't really listen to it like that cut it out (laughs) and it is what it is but i always try to i always try to just give people the basic standards and practices but i also tell them little tricks to make it easier like if you use audacity you can highlight your entire track select truncate silence and it'll eliminate those super long pauses yeah so and that's an easy one. So yeah. sometimes I, I had a few guys, they would take long pauses to like gather their thoughts. And <laughs> I'd say, listen, I edit out all your pauses. It's great, but you, you know, it's fine. You could go through and and continue expressing, you know, and they'd be like, oh, that's, I got it. And some people get it. Some people don't. 
What I like is that you have found stuff that you still enjoy doing on the content creation side. I just listened to uh, one of the uh, YouTube videos you did, a chat with somebody. What is the stuff that you still enjoy doing like that? Uh, for me, I think I enjoy... I've reached a point where I want to say it was maybe five or six years ago. I I went through a phase as a content creator where you find Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> so when you find Gary Vaynerchuk and you're a fledgling, not a fledgling creator, but just a creator, you hear all of his stuff and all of a sudden you're just like, yeah. And you're, you're super hype. Everything is, you know, hyper, hyperactive content creation. I'm going to make 64 pieces of content from one blog post. It's like, listen, <laughs> listen, you know, I've seen people try to do that. And it's like, you got to stay in your lane. Meaning <laughs> like, if you wrote an article about cleaning sneakers, you're going to you're going to get a written article, maybe some photos of you cleaning shoes, maybe a YouTube video teaching people how to clean shoes. But what are you going to do? Make a Pinterest infographic, uh, seven <laughs> tweets, you know, there, there you draw a line with that. So what ended up happening was I, I, I found Gary's content, consumed it viciously, like just... Yeah. Everything. Boom, 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 boom. Go to uh, Photo Plus Expo here in New York. Oh, who's speaking? Gary. <laughs> I go, man. So I go, I have my little Gary V hustle sweatshirt. Go to the hit, hear him talk. He goes, oh, we're going to do Q&A, which I always knew he did. I'm, I'm standing, standing to, to make sure that people are like, yo, why is this guy just standing and not sitting? So I raise my hand. I go up. I tell him what I'm doing and he's like, yeah, man, you know, you're doing good. And he was, you know, very supportive for the most part, but he's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you're just not there because you're not that good. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, uh. but he wasn't saying it in a negative, but you know what it is when you're, when you're talking and you're talking to somebody who you, who's, who you feel you have a kinship with and they yeah. just literally machine gun your idea. And he said, but he also, I took some stuff out of that. Like he was like, oh, you're doing all this stuff. Are you charging people? And I'm like, eh, not really, not a lot. And he goes, yeah. how much time are you spending doing it? X. Well, he's like, well, damn, you should be charging X. You know, he was like, oh, you should find someone to run the day-to-day -day of the business so you can focus on the content of the business. So I took some stuff out of it, but I walked out of that room disheartened. Yeah. I was literally going to go and delete my site. Like I was just like, maybe this is it. Maybe this was what I needed to not keep doing this anymore. The vindication of maybe I should just pull the plug completely. So I come out, I call my wife. I go, listen, I met Gary. This is what happened. I feel like utter human garbage. And you know, she says to me, she goes, listen, you know, Gary, Gary's Gary's route to his success is going to be very different than everyone else's. And maybe your route is even going to be more different. Yeah. So I thought about it and I kind of slept on it, molded over. And then after that happened, you know, I kept doing the shows and doing all the stuff, but I stopped approaching it like the golden ticket. Yeah. That's yeah. what I stopped doing. Stopped approaching it. Like, man, this is going to secure the bag and pay my pay, pay me for, I said, listen, do it. Cause you like it. If you make some money along the way, great. And just you're you're you bringing people into the fold is a reward in itself. So I yeah. stopped looking at it like I stopped looking at it like ones and zeros and started looking at it like what, you know, like how you want somebody to read your eulogy when you're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, this person brought value. Hey, this person got me started on the road to content creation. Hey, this person supported my my podcast about uh, paper clips, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. So. <laughs> So I started approaching it like that and it just started making me feel more fulfilled about doing it. So yeah. after that, after that conversation happened, fast forward a few months, he recorded that panel and he put that panel on YouTube. <laughs> so I wake up one day and my inbox is full of people. Oh man, I, I understand. Or what can I do to help? Blah, blah, blah. Like just, it was just crazy. Very <laughs> supportive. Very cool. Yeah. But then, you know, some people were just like, oh, you know, this guy's been doing this for so long. 
what the hell does he think is going to happen? Uh, you know, like it's the internet. The internet is uh, the internet is for, for as rewarding of a place. It is, it is a cruel, cruel. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, the, it led to a, a, just me going and seeing a bunch of stuff. And then another, another version of the video got re-released. And again, the inbox got flooded and I remember going in and I answered every comment in the video that was related to what I, to, to my, my speech. And I said, I'm like, listen, this was X amount of years ago. I'm in a completely different place now. Yeah. And, um, I took what I could from that experience, from that, from that interaction with him and I didn't quit. And then I remembered that in one of his old shows, he said, you know what? Don't listen to my crap go out and do your own thing, fail on your own, grow on your own, do whatever. Just, just take something from it and run off and do it. And I made like a conscious decision, like consume less of the content and just focus on my own stuff. And I can tell you since then been a lot happier doing, doing a lot of stuff because you know what happens doing this for so long, you see other people's successes, you see other people's stuff, you start chasing, you start chasing dragons. You don't need to be chasing. Yeah. Instead of doubling down and focusing on your own, I, you know, I, I tell a lot of my guys, instead of focusing on being the next Joe Rogan, focus on being the next X, hmm. because Joe Rogan had a lengthy career in stand up. Nobody knew who he was. He did fear factor. There was a lot of work behind the curtain before oh, yeah. people knew who he really was. But yeah. some people just only know that side, you know? What a phenomenal story about Gary Vee. That's fantastic. And these little connections are driving me nuts because. I mentioned talk radio earlier. I was a huge fan during the college years of uh, listening to Loveline, Adam Carolla's radio mm-hmm. stuff, Dr. Yep. Drew and all that. And, um, you know, at, at that time, like all we really knew about Adam was just he's this very funny talk radio guy, funny comedian. And um, as he got into podcasting and I followed his career a little bit, I thought like that's another very good example of somebody who took this ball and ran with it. He's doing well. It sounds like the podcast makes money and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, again, like my relationship with that has changed over time. Like I don't these days, I feel like Adam's a little, little bit nuts, but but uh, I, I always loved the stuff he used to do. And years ago, there was an event he held in uh, Irvine, California, and it was a uh, podcast. One was invested in his network. So it was him and executives from podcast one doing this big masterclass thing where you could go, you could listen from, you know, listen to advice from experts, listen to Adam talk, the people on his show and stuff. And I thought that just seems awesome. And I mean, I'm, I'm based in St. Louis, so it was kind of a big deal for me to go attend this thing. But I talked to my wife. Yeah, you got to do this. If you're serious about this, you may as well be there. And they were having a pitch fest in addition to Q and a, and the pitch fest was you can present something like an idea for a show. And if the podcast one, you know, executives there like it they're going to pick some people to work with and i went okay i gotta i gotta shoot my shot here i was that's it i was just working on the idea for this show and i thought okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna listen and i'm gonna i'm gonna take a swing at this so i did and uh the event was cool it was neat to hear industry insiders thoughts on where podcasting was headed and how the business model was going to work and stuff that was neat and it came time for this pitch fest and needless to say, 99% of the people in attendance got up and lined up. And so <laughs> what we found out was they were going, they decided they were going to work with one show to do this. And I thought, okay, well, realistically, there goes, this will just be a fun event I attended. There goes my chance at, you know, Im- impressing podcast one enough to be the one show they do over this. So, uh, they had so many people that went, we didn't really expect this many people to be interested in this. And you guys are going to have 30 seconds and you're all going to present to us on stage one by one. And I was like, what the, That's so, the one. <laughs> so I, I did indeed. And I was probably exactly at the 50% line. There was no chance in hell. Anyone was going to remember anything. I wasn't going to stand out, but I, I basically went up and went, okay, here's the thing. I've been a podcaster for a few years already. I'm involved in uh, game development in the game industry and gaming is already making more money than TV and film and music combined. And, uh, you know, there's, there's room for, you know, a talk show about game industry stuff where we hang out and go through this stuff. And, and I, I just, I laid it out and these people who are all involved in TV and film and radio 
stared at me like, what the fuck is he talking about? And I realized I should, <laughs> I should have just presented it as more of a general media thing, but this had no chance in hell because they didn't get it. And mm -hmm. so they, and at the end they were like, you want to talk about what game, what? And I, I said, uh, game development. Thanks for your time. <laughs> okay. Thanks. You know, and they're very nice. And obviously they didn't, they didn't choose anything of mine. And, uh, I, I said, Hey to Adam and I had met him once before, oddly enough, but we, we took a picture together and Hey, thanks. You know, this was cool that you did this event. We, we all appreciate it. And, uh, did the same thing. I called my wife. I said, this is done. I just need to come home and, uh, really miss you guys. And I'll just, I'll just worry about it myself, you know, whatever. And my takeaway from that was the more I thought about it, the more I thought they're wrong. There's absolutely room for a, a viable show here that could do absolutely. fine. There was a vacuum of content in, in this space at the time. And here we are, you know, what coming up on 200 episodes later, it, it does very well for a podcast. I know I don't have to qualify that with you. Uh, right. you know, when, when a podcast is doing well, it doesn't mean anyone's quitting their job, but I'm very excited to have sponsors who are into it and listeners who are into mm -hmm. it. And I realized the most important thing they left me with was success looks different for everybody in this space. If, Absolutely. Uh, right. If you're going for that book deal, Hey, you could get it. You know, it, it could absolutely happen. If you're, if you're looking to break into TV and radio, if you're very good, maybe, I don't know. Uh, that's not what I'm aiming for, but like, if you want to just do a good podcast, be part of your community in that way, there, you can absolutely do it. There's, there's really no stopping you. So I like the level playing field. Um, I'm not sure podcast one is even around anymore. I know they got bought out recently. Uh, yeah. I'm thrilled that I don't cut part of my revenue check to them every, every month. So I think everybody, everybody, but them won, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, that's the right way to look at it. I feel that especially in, in, in your space and talking about the game industry and game development. I mean, do, do, you, do you, people go on YouTube to watch videos on, I mean, I, I'll use myself. I remember as a kid, I used to watch Mr. Rogers mm -hmm. and um, he did an episode of, how they make crayons. Yeah. And I was just immersed into watching them make crayons, melt everything down, shape the crayon. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And it, and even now, as I'm older, I, I always watch setup tours, um, different game development things. If it's a game I'm into, uh, sometimes the behind the scenes of people recording the dialogue for like God of War or an anime I'm into, because mm -hmm. I like that aspect of creation. And you know what the funny thing is? Lots of people do. Yeah. I mean, some of the more, I, I mean, there's a guy, he's a tech source on YouTube. He does a, a, a series on people sharing their setups. That's mm -hmm. all they do. They send photos of their setups. He talks about them, breaks down the gear. That's it. Hundreds and thousands of people are watching this. Yeah. There's another guy, random Frank P. Same thing. He does, uh, you know, set up, set up tours, et cetera. People send photos. He talks about them, et cetera. Again, two different individuals, same kind of approaches, totally different audiences, yeah. numbers yeah. through the roof. I'm like, man, who would have thought that, you know, five, you know, uh, you know, 800,000 people want to know about this person's setup in their house. But that's because yeah. there's guys like you and me that are looking at it like, man, that person's mixer placement is awesome. I never thought of that. Yeah. Or, hey, that, that mic arm is cool, man. I, I, that could save me 25% more space on my desk. Yeah. Why haven't I ever seen that? So again, like you said, the vacuum is there. Like there are people that are in the industry that might want to hear about the industry from an industry perspective and not from the way IGN GIF wraps it or Polygon or The Verge. And I tell people, even with our website now, I'm like, listen, if you want a, a 10,000 page, a 10,000 word review on Grand Theft Auto, go to IGN, go to The Verge, go to whatever. If you want to go to, uh, uh, if you want a, a simple, hey, does it suck? And what do we like about it? And what don't we like about it? Then come to us. That's, that, that's the easiest way. Your audience is going to decide for you how much or how little you should do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like what they say about journalists and authors and stuff like that person isn't doing something that hasn't been done before. But each one of those content creators and those writers 
is a different lens people might like to view the world through. You know, you decide whose experience you appreciate, whose perspective you like. It's it's very basic one-on-one stuff now in the YouTube era, but uh, yep. everybody's bringing that different view of it. And maybe you like the shade that I put on on uh, game development stuff. Like you said, the internet is the internet, and you're not, you know, half or more of the people who see this are probably going to go, I don't understand why you're doing this at all. But right. when I, when I was growing up, and the first time I saw a book about not video games, but the people who made them, or I got to the first page of Nintendo Power that was like, we're talking to uh, the guy who worked on the character models for GoldenEye 64. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know how much I needed this. Like, right. that was very exciting to me. So, it you know, if it's just those people who are just for the first time going like, what is going on behind the scenes here? That's enough for me. I'm thrilled to pre- present them with the same kind of stuff I used to love on my way in because, and I know I'm meant to be here because you know what, this far into it, years and years of this, uh, I still love hearing about what went into the God of War remaster, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like I still yep. love that stuff. And so, uh, a big part of that success is like, you know, further down the road, are you still happy with this at all? Do you still care about what's going on? Are you still interested in this? Or have you just beat the dead horse until there was nothing left, you know? Well, th- th- look at it this way. Look at look at what just happened a few minutes ago when we were doing, as we're doing this episode. You know, your your kid walks off camera. You're like, hey, I'm in the middle of recording. So funny, funny story to humanize this and some, bring this full circle for a lot of people. I had my first kid. She is She turned three recently. So we did... We built, um, I bought a 19, they remade uh, the original Voltron, Lion Force Voltron. Mm. My kid always looked at it, looked at it. I said, hey, you want to build it? Next thing you know, my kid wants to build Voltron. I had the newer Voltron that I didn't plan on unboxing, ended up (laughs) unboxing it, built it with my kid. Um, You know, they re-released Masters of the Universe recently, and um, they redid the original action figures. So I said, I said, Oh, what do you think of these? And she saw them in my office. She goes, who's that guy? And I'm like, Oh, that's Skeletor. Next thing you know, you know, they dropped the new Netflix cartoon. I said, Hey, you want to watch this while this was before she started three K. So, you know, I've been doing stay at home dad. So she watched it. My wife comes home. She's like, mama, I like Skeletor. Next (laughs) thing you know, my three-year-old kid has a He-Man and a Skeletor action figure having a tea party with her, you know, baby alive and whatever other toys she got. So yeah. the reason I'm sharing this is because my kid gets to go to school at, to 3K at three years old and talk about He-Man and Skeletor. And she's going to have teachers that are our age that are going to know that. <laughs> and they're going to be like, this kid's learning a bunch of stuff. And again, she is viewing it through a completely different lens yeah. at three than I did when in 1985 at five. And the reason is because now if she grows up and she's still into all this stuff, awesome. But who knows? She may like telling those stories. Hey, I remember when my dad got me, you know, these He-Man toys and that's what made me want to be an animator or what made me want to be an artist or what made me want to get into uh, game development or cartoon design or game design. So I share this number one, obviously for, for kinship with you as a creator, but also because don't ever think that what you're doing may not impact someone else. And I tell people that all the time, especially with podcasting that I'm like, listen, you're doing those shows. You don't think you're listening, but guess what? Those 15 people that downloaded your episode, there might be one or two out of that 15 that needed that voice or that story from you to keep them driving to work that day, Mm -hmm. you know, or keep them, you know, pursuing that dream or creating that content. So the thing about it is that some people just, they need to be told that because they don't see it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do you one better on the, uh, the upbringing side. (laughs) Our school district is such that we actually decided to homeschool this year and so not wow. only am I doing stay-at-home dad stuff, I am teaching homeschool full-time. Completely unqualified. <laughs> Between my wife and I, we know enough about the various subjects. We feel like uh, with 
fantastic help we've brought in from the outside in terms of like prepackaged curriculums and stuff. Uh, it's, it's actually been very cool. But, uh, the other day for history, my son was looking at dinosaurs with like new interest for the first time. Like we obviously every kid gets exposed to like, here's a dinosaur. Rawr, here's what he looks like. This time he was like, what were they like? Would they have eaten me? Like, yeah, dude, they would have destroyed you. You know, you're, <laughs> we would have both been done if we, but luckily we didn't have any overlap, so we didn't have to worry about it. And yeah, dinosaurs are crazy. I really like this. So for uh, technology slash history class that day, we pulled up uh, Jurassic World Evolution on the Xbox, which if you've ever played it, it's actually a phenomenal way to look at like cool models of dinosaurs running around, sort of observe them yep. in a habitat look at what they might do around each other and stuff. We actually had a great time and he was asking good questions. Like, what is that one? Is that real? Was that, is that what that looked like? Like, yeah, dude, check this out. It's incredible. The thing, the ways these, uh, forms of entertainment and these interests, uh, feed out into other things. Uh, I knew that like liking video games and stuff would lead me to programming and stuff like that. There are very obvious ways but there are other ways, like you said, they, it just it branches out into this other stuff you, you don't expect and other people recognize it and they get it right away and people are learning things. And uh, we've definitely had listeners be like, hey, you talked to uh, Joshua Davidson who worked on the audio for Borderlands. And one of his ideas about how he got into the industry just helped me get my first job. And I'm like, oh, you know, you that's fantastic. You would never guess. And and it's it's so worth it. So, I mean, you know, you being genuine and sincere and doing stuff you really love uh it always creates those ripples in the community and with people you you'll never meet and it's it's very very rewarding to hear stuff like that i just i love that absolutely i enjoy it very much i think that that's where that's where the value is i mean yeah don't get me wrong would would i love to do this but at the end of the day if you're not going out there trying to forge that path to do it full time like like people that are like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. Well, you can't be a YouTuber if you don't put out videos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, even even the crappy ones, you got to put those out, you know, and then people uh, occasionally I'll see a, a YouTuber say, hey, you, you guys want to remember my first video? And they'll pull it up and you'll see them all, you know, with peach fuzz and <laughs> oh, here I am. You know, their voices have any bass in it. And then yeah. here they are. 5,000 episodes later, you know, 3 million subscribers, whatever it is. And they're like, see, this is what I did. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a funny way that you, it's a funny way that you have this social proof nowadays to show that maybe you should keep going. But the problem Mm -hmm. is that at the end of the day, it's like something you said before, everybody's doing the same thing, but guess what? even though everybody's doing the same thing, a lot of those people won't put in the work to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes you've got to do it badly so you can go do it. Well, it's, there are certain things you're just, we mentioned pro wrestling earlier. Like you're not going to step in a ring and, and, you know, do the cool stuff you saw on TV, even though you grew up watching it, like you're not going to do that shit right. You're going to hurt no. yourself. <laughs> there there no. are things you can't just run into and go like, I know enough now. I'm going to do it great. Like nope. very little I works remember. that way. <laughs> I remember uh, we we had some independent wrestlers on some podcasts and they ran a school out of out of here in New York. And they're like, oh, come down, see one of our shows because they were putting on their own shows with their students. Mm. So we went, we checked it out after it was over. I watched them break down the ring, which I had never seen before in my life. So that was pretty cool. You know, pulling it up, you see that there's just basically boards under there. And, um, you know, he was, uh, the, the main, the main instructor, he was like, all right, this is how you take a bump, et cetera. And I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. He goes, Hey man, you want to come in and try and take a bump? And I said, yeah, I'll try and, and, and learn how to, how to do it. So I did it on just the boards and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then he's like, he's like, yeah, it's cool like this, but think about you having to learn how to do this a hundred times a day. Yeah. And I was like, ow, that's going to hurt. And I remember I woke up the next day and I remember my, my shoulder blades and my, my back were sore and I only did like three or four bumps just to learn how to do it. But that's exactly it. I would never have learned that or even appreciated that further without seeing that. And you're watching the students, they finish doing the show 
after the show is done, they got to break down the ring. They got to clean up the arena. It's all part of learning. And the funny thing is he was like, you know, a lot of these guys probably hate doing this, but he was like, this is how I was trained. He goes, we had to clean up. We had to, you know, carry the veterans bags. We had to clean, you know, put the stuff away at the end of the night. That was part of the process. That was part of the learning. And the thing about it is like, hell, I, I I'm an outsider in their world. So I would never have known that, you know? Yeah. You hear the stories, but you don't, you don't understand. And I think what, you know, in your case, what you're doing is exactly that you're giving people that peek behind the curtain, showing people how the, how the quote unquote sausage is made <laughs> through a different lens. And people are going to gravitate towards that. If they either find that kinship or if they're into it the same way. I miss the days of just approaching stuff from a geek culture perspective. I see you're still covering stuff constantly on the web. I don't know how you're keeping up with this stuff. I mean, I'm sure you get press releases, but it's, it's clear you spend a lot of time keeping up with stuff also, right? I, I try to. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of little nuggets along the way. I have a, a Feedly. I, I use Feedly as one of my sources. I put in all my favorite sites, all my favorite stuff. Every morning I'll wake up, I'll see all the RSS feeds from all the outlets. I'll go through them, see what's there. You know, I'll wake up, I'll have, you know, a couple of hundred emails from stuff. And then I, I don't publish everything. I don't share everything. I, you know, I got to cherry pick a little bit, yeah. but you know, I have, I have one of our guys, he's our games editor, just because I had to remove myself from just covering video games day to day, because I just don't have enough hours in the day to play them. So yeah. it would be a disservice to the people that come to us for some sort of gaming content to not get. A, a balanced approach because I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm only, I'm only half, I'm only five toes deep instead of 10 toes deep. So, yeah. um, you know, I still try to get as much stuff out, try to do as much industry stuff as possible, but even still, like, I'm not, you can't, if you don't have a full staff of, you know, 10 or 15 people, 20 people that are just out there, you can't, you're not going to get that same thing. And the, but the funny thing is that, you also can't expect your staff to work as hard as you do for your dream. Yeah. So like my games editor, he has a regular job, just like I had a regular job at, at, you know, so he would get to the stuff when he would get to it. All I could do was send him a message. Hey man, I sent you some releases, you know, feel free to put out what you want, whatever games you get for review, obviously, you know, have fun with them, enjoy them. And that was it. And I think that that's a big part of figuring out how you want to approach this. Like, you're, you're, you're never going to have the net to catch everything unless you have enough people invested with you to yeah. do that. And if, and at the end of the day, people respond, people respond to money. And if you're not paying people and people are just helping you because they want to help you succeed, they want to be there and they're with you in the trenches. Those are the people you got to find ways to help them out and, and cultivate those relationships. Because guess what? When you do make it, when you do get to that next level, those people that were there with you are the people you're going to want to have along the way. Cause they had the only thing they had in the game was their own skin. I love that there are good sites out there still struggling to do the, the fun stuff that I got to do to get started with all this, you know, bringing you the best of what we like here. And uh, you know, just a site you can have a rela relationship with. Uh, you should definitely let listeners know where they can go to check out your work online. Yep. You can visit us at rageworks.net for all of our, written content, game reviews, toy reviews, um, all the stuff related to pop culture that you would expect. Um, our Rageworks Network is rageworksnetwork.com. That's our full podcast network with all of our shows. You can find my show there, which is Toys and Tech of the Trade, as well as all of our shows on all of the main outlets. Uh, we're pretty much Rageworks on all social media, so you can pretty much punch that up anywhere. And most of the time, it's either myself or one of the the team running some of the accounts, but you're always going to engage with somebody that genuinely is part of the site and not some sort of a service. Richard, thank you. This has been awesome. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to keeping up with you on the web. Awesome. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for the, giving me the time to share my story. Okay, big thanks to Richard Butler. Check out RageWorks.net for news and RageWorksNetwork.com for their uh, cool podcast network. Uh, as for us, you can check out show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. My book, Inside Video Game Creation, is uh, on Amazon in a variety of formats. 
If you enjoy the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it so more people can listen to it and we can be convinced to continue doing it. Uh, hit follow on Spotify. We're super close to a thousand Spotify followers. That means the world to me because uh, I don't think I know a thousand people in real life and certainly not that many will listen to my words. So, uh, Matt, what's up on your uh, streams lately? Uh, streams lately we went back to a little bit of call of duty black ops and join it while we can i know vanguard is around the corner for anybody that's going to be partaking because i will be i am one of those people uh, me and the wife will be jumping on that i'm sure we will be on some minecraft dungeons mm-hmm. to say the least and i don't know there was talks of grand theft auto 5 but we'll see if we get there you know what whenever the mood strikes you just gotta play what you gotta play sometimes but that's twitch.tv forward slash ohc mr day and that's all my socials as well. I, we may keep or cut this, but when they did the mini racers uh, yes. thing on Grand Theft Auto, some of the most fun I've ever had. That was one of our better episodes, too, just oh for the my record. God. Loved that. Wish they would do more of that. Okay, that everybody, thanks for checking us out. Uh, join us next week for more, and uh, see you later. See you later.